To begin uh, today, I want to take you back to 1981. I know you've probably heard this story before, but it fits my sermon. So if it fits, I'm going to use it again. Back in 1981, I was out of college. A friend of mine, Ted Basie, who now worships out in Sweetwater, I believe he's an elder out there, Ted said, hey, let's, uh, let's go down to United Grocery after a Sunday morning worship. Let's ask these two girls to lunch. All right. So we go down there, and Kelly, and why are you ducking? Kelly's getting lower and lower. Kelly and her friend, Terry Rickenball, who was in our wedding, um, they were walking out of United on their lunch break, and Ted said, hey, you girls want to go to lunch? And they said, nope. <laughs> and uh, so they went on their way, and we went to lunch, and from that point on, it, it, was, it was on. I made every effort to pursue Kelly. You can ask her. This isn't a Richie side of the story. I made every effort to get Kelly to go out with me. I made every effort to pursue Kelly. That was about August, September. We had a gospel meeting in September, and I invited Kelly one night. Hey, you want to go with me to the gospel meeting? She said, sure. This is how bad it was. At the gospel meeting afterwards, a friend of both of ours said, Hey, Kelly, you want to go out and eat some Mexican food? And she said, Well, I'm, uh, I'm with Richie. He said, Bring him along. And she said, okay. She was on a date with me and accepted a date with him, and I went. (laughs) Because I wanted to make every effort to get Kelly to go out with me. And so I went to her place every day, and I would do dishes, and she hadn't balanced her checkbook in three years, and I balanced her checkbook, and she liked the Beach Boys, and I was good with the Beach Boys, and she liked to play racquetball, and I'm like, racket what? And I went out and flailed at racquetball just to be with Kelly. I made every effort to get Kelly to go out with me. Kelly worked at United Grocery, aisle number two, putting herself through college, working 40 hours a week, and I would go to United Grocery aisle two, where she was working and stocking, and I'd say, hey, what's your ring size and do you want to marry me? Is that for real, honey? That's for real. I I did everything I could. I wanted Kelly to marry me. I wanted her to date me, but I I really wanted to marry her. She went home that Christmas, and so I sent her with some flowers, and that was the first time we had kissed. And I'm going to tell you right now, and she will validate, it was horrible. (laughs) It was, there was no chemistry there whatsoever. And she went home, and uh, she came back, and I didn't give up. So in January, I went to see her every day. I'd go to her apartment. I'd hang out with her. Kelly was an education major. One of the things you do as an education major at that time is you had to do a poetry file. I typed Kelly's poetry file. I should have got the grade for that class. And to go with the poetry file, if, if you wanted it to be better, you got pictures. So I went through magazines and magazines and magazines. And one of my greatest accomplishments, it means nothing to you, was I found a purple cow. I know that means nothing to you, but in her poetry file, it's by Gillette Burgess. I never saw a purple cow. I never hoped to see one. I can tell you anyhow, I'd rather see than be one. And I can remember saying, Kelly, I found a purple cow. She didn't care. She's like, just do the poetry file. 
Kelly needed a new watch. And I bought her a new watch. I bought her, at the time, 1981, I was making $4.50 an hour working construction, and I bought her a nice watch. Now, I'll tell you, she wouldn't give me the time of day. So I bought her a watch, but she needed a new watch. And I, I I made every effort. I made every effort. Because I wanted Kelly to be my wife. And here we are, 33, or as she says, 34 years later, our anniversary this summer. She said, happy 34. And I'm like, where was I the other year? (laughs) Math teachers. I like this illustration, make every effort. I told you about me and Kelly because I wanted to illustrate. Make every effort. That's one word in the Greek. Make every effort, we stretch it out, it's the word spudazo. I like that word. And so it means to hurry, to make haste, to be bent upon, to endeavor earnestly, to be diligent, to be zealously engaged, to exert oneself, to pursue earnestly. And I just like finding pictures. These two guys are making every effort. They're straining. It's strenuous. They're doing everything they can to get to that finish line. That's the gist of this word, spudazo. And so we looked at 2 Timothy 2.15. Make every effort. Be diligent. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Make every effort to be in God's word. And and we've got a, a chart back here. We're wanting you to let us know how many verses that you're reading. We're wanting to read 3 million verses this year. We want you to be in God's word. We want you to be diligent. Make every effort to study God's word. And then we looked at Hebrews 4. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest and also rests from their works. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest. And we looked at the Israelites and how they wandered in the wilderness and God wanted them to go to the promised land and God wanted to give them rest. But because of their disobedience, they never received that rest. But that rest is still available. And Jesus even tells us, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. You'll find rest for your soul so we can have that rest today. It's out there. It's for us. But we need to make every effort. We need to be diligent. We need to be faithful. We don't need to be like the Israelites in their unfaithfulness. Make every effort. Today we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1. There's two times that this word is used. 2 Peter chapter 1. So let's dig in. Simon Peter a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now in the first several verses, here's what Peter's going to do. In essence, he's going to say, God has made every effort to be in a covenant relationship with us. God has done everything He could do. God has given us everything He could give us. God has given us a righteousness. The righteousness we have, it's not ours. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So one of the things God gives us is the righteousness of Jesus. We read in Titus chapter 3, He saved us Not because of righteous things we had done. It's not our righteousness. God gives us His righteousness. But He gives us more. He gives us a faith. 
a precious faith. He gives us grace and peace, but not just grace and peace. He wants it to be multiplied. He says grace and peace be in abundance. May grace and peace be super added to you. May you have grace and peace through the knowledge of God and Savior Jesus Christ. So he wants us to know that God has given us those things. He goes on, look what God has given us. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. We did a study several um, months ago on Acts and we talked about power. This is the same word, dunamis. It's the same word that we get the word dynamite. God's dynamic power has given us everything we need. We're not lacking. We're not missing. He didn't leave just a little bit out. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And He's given us His very great and precious promises. Listen, when God says He'll do something, He'll do something. God always does what God says He'll do. So He's given us grace and mercy and salvation and Jesus and faith and promises. He's given us all of these things so that through them He wants us to participate in His divine nature which we get when we get His Spirit. When we're filled with His Spirit we receive the divine nature. Why? So we can escape the corruption in the world. So we can escape um, the things that our evil desires cause us to do. Listen, your power, your power produces corruption. Your power, my power, produces evil desires. But His power, that power, enables us and gives us everything we need. You lack nothing in Jesus Christ. Why? Because God is making every effort to be in this covenant relationship with us. He wants us to be in relationship with us. Be in relationship with us. So he's, His promises say He'll forgive us. His promises say something about eternal life. His promises say something about peace. There's so many promises in the Bible. God does, always does, what God says He'll do. And God has made every effort to be in a relationship with, this, with us. So, so... If God's made every effort to be in relationship with us, there's a responsibility on our part. If you're going to be in covenant relationship with somebody, each side needs to make every effort. So Peter goes on. For this very reason, here's what we're supposed to do. Make every effort to add to your faith. Did you know you can add to your faith? You know the faith that brings you to Jesus? The faith that introduces you to Jesus, the faith that helps you take those first steps, you can add to that faith. You can be in abundance. And he says, add to, make every effort, be diligent about, zealously pursue these things, be adding these things to your faith bucket. Make every effort to add to your faith. Goodness, goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, love. God has made every effort to be in relationship with us. So he says, hey, could y'all make every effort 
to be in covenant relationship with me. Build on your faith. You know, Paul says in Philippians 2, continue to work out your salvation. Not work for your salvation. Work out your salvation. If you want your marriage to be better, you work out in your marriage. If you want your financial situation to be better, you need to work out with your financial situation. If you want your health to be better, you're going to need to work out and diet and exercise. If you want your spiritual health to be better, you need to work out your salvation and add these things to your faith because of what God has done. So let me just kind of tell you what these mean. Add to your faith goodness. Goodness is what is necessary for doing what is right. Your translation may say virtue, excellence. It refers to moral excellence. It's an excellence, a moral excellence that you do what is right. Add to your faith as you get to know the knowledge of Jesus. As you get to know, you need to add that to your faith bucket. He talks about knowledge. This isn't just book knowledge. This is knowledge of things in life. Knowing what to do when temptation comes. Having the knowledge of how to respond. You know how Jesus responded? He quoted Scripture. Maybe we need to learn some Scripture and have a knowledge of Scripture so when temptation comes our way, we know how to respond. He talks about self-control, having control over your desires and your appetites, knowing how to restrain yourself. He mentions perseverance. That's the ability to endure difficulties in a positive way to turn them into opportunities to add to your faith. Yours may say patience fortitude, steadfastness. It's the ability to, t- to handle temptations face on, head on. Almost to look forward to temptations because you know you can build on your faith. And you can be stronger. Godliness, which is God-likeness. Living life like it should be lived. Brotherly kindness, that's the word Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Brotherly kindness, it's the love that binds us together and holds us together. And then love, which is agape love, which is the willingness to put somebody else's happiness ahead of yours. That's what agape love is. Even if a person doesn't deserve to be loved, we love that person. That's that kind of love. It's actually loving an unworthy person. Make every effort. Be diligent about. Do your best. To put these things in your faith bucket and to add these things to your faith. Listen, we, we can't produce these qualities. I can't produce these qualities. In my power, I can't produce these qualities. But His divine power has given us everything we need to live on a day-to-day basis. If we submit to that divine power and if we're obedient to God and if we're faithful to God. But Peter's not done. He says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective, unproductive. If anyone does not have them, he's nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. What happens when you don't add these things? And just so you know, as you're reading through 1 Peter 1 and even into um, chapter 2, he keeps talking about these things, these things, these things. If you don't possess these things that we just looked at, let me tell you how your life's going to be. I can describe your life. Peter says your life's going to be ineffective, unproductive, you're going to be nearsighted and blind, and you're going to forget the fact that God's forgiven you of all your sins. If you don't add these things, 
So you think we would want to make every effort so that we're not ineffective, so that we're not unproductive. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, in abundance, more than enough, if you keep adding to, if you're diligent to add these things, your life's going to be a whole lot more productive. Now, he talks about our vision here. You want to know how to improve your vision? Add these things. I've told you before, every time I go to the eye doctor, he asks me about my diet. I'm like, you're not a nutrition doctor. You're an eye doctor. And he says, Richie, tell me, are you eating greens? Who eats greens? And he tells me, Richie, your diet affects your vision. Peter says, your diet affects your spiritual vision. If you add these things to your diet, you're going to see a lot better. There's too many Christians who walk through life and they can't see a thing. And they don't see what's coming. And they're whammied in life and they don't understand why they're ineffective and unproductive. It's because they're nearsighted and blind because they're not adding these things. Make Every effort. You want your spiritual vision to be better? Be diligent in adding these things. He goes on to say, he's not done. He says, therefore, my dear brothers, here's our second time. Be all the more eager. Same word as make every effort. Be diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do, here it is again, if you do these things... The ones we just add, looked at, the seven Christian virtues, seven Christian graces. If you do these things, check this out. You will never fall. Wow, that's got my attention. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you do these things, you will never Wow. You want to know why sometimes you're ineffective and unproductive and nearsighted and blind? Because you're not doing these things. And you fall. And you fail. And you stumble. Well, how come my Christian life's so difficult? Peter would say, you don't have these things. You're not making every effort to add these things. I had a teacher in college. I don't remember what class. I was trying to think of it. And he, and he handed out a syllabus and he said, If you do these things, you'll get a B. If you do these things, you'll get an A. Peter says, If you do these things, you'll never fail. It's not just a passing grade. You will never. Not you will most of the time. You will never fail. That's the Christian life I want to live. I don't want to fail. I don't want to fall. I don't want to stumble. I want to see what's coming. I want to be effective. I want to be productive. But he says you'll also receive a rich welcome. A rich welcome. Now let me illustrate. This does something for me. It may do nothing for you. So I'm going to try my best to make it do something for you. In verse 5, make every effort to add to your faith. That word, add to your faith, the add is the same word in verse 11. Make every effort to supplement, to supply further, to super add, to produce. And you will receive. It will be added to you. Alright? It will be supplemented to you, supplied to you. It's the word... Let me read you this. 
the word means to bear the expenses of a chorus. So when the Greek theater groups presented their dramas, somebody had to bear the expenses. Somebody had to cover the cost. And the word came to mean make lavish provision. So Peter says, it's almost a play on the same word. If you will make lavish provision to add these things to your faith, God will make lavish provision to have a rich welcome waiting for you. Wow, is that not cool? Thanks, a couple of people thought it was cool. So let me go back to the beginning. I made every effort to be in a relationship with Kelly. That in no way compares to the fact that God has made every effort because He wants to be in relationship with us. And He's written us a bunch of letters because He wants to know our ring size and He wants to marry us. He wants to be in relationship with us. I like our scripture reading today, Romans 8, from the message. If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing Himself to the worst by sending His own Son, is there anything else He wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? So Peter says, okay, look, here's everything God's done. He's made every effort. Won't you and I make every effort for that covenant relationship to be strong? Don't you want to be in relationship with God? Don't you want all of His promises? Don't you want the blessings? Don't you want the forgiveness? Don't you want the salvation? Don't you want eternity? Don't you want, don't you want all that stuff? Then you need to be diligent. You need to zealously pursue. You need to make every effort to be in relationship and to add these things. So we're going to offer the invitation of Jesus Christ. It's not our invitation. It's not the invitation of this church. It's the invitation of Jesus Christ for you to be in relationship with Him. How do you do that? Well, you've got to have faith. He says you need to add to your faith. That's, That's the foundation. You need to have faith in Jesus Christ, which means you put your trust in Jesus Christ, which means you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You believe that God sent His only Son because He loves us so much. He made every effort to be in relationship with us to the point that He was willing for His Son to die, to take our place, to be a sacrifice on the cross. And if that means I need to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, I want to be in that relationship. And if that means I need to be baptized for the remission of my sins, I want to be in that relationship. I hope you do too. And so we offer the invitation of Jesus Christ. If you want to be baptized, if you want to meet with our elders at the back, they'll take you to a private room and pray for you and with you and lift you up before the throne of God's grace. If you need to respond, please do so as we stand and sing.